Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Side Quests. This time, it's our Gen Con special, the Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Eli. Sitting next to each other for the first time ever. Ever. I have to say, Eli, you are uh, you're a few inches taller than I expected, but I really don't know what I expected. I, I don't know. I... I don't know. I never guess people's heights anymore now that I've been online so far. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, this this is Rob. I now know what your legs look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. Um, it's it's really funny, too, because I walked by the Hackmaster booth, uh, which is where you are for quite a bit at the convention, and I distinctly remember Pointy Wizard Hat when you run games. We talked yeah, about it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I seen Pointy Wizard Hat, I was like, Eli. I didn't make myself known at the time. I was trying to get a layer of the land. You were running the demo. Uh, so it took a few hours. And I came back and sat down for the first time for the demo. I love the fact that because we do video, you know who I am. I know who you are. You <laughs> shook hands. It wasn't like a, hey, this is awkward. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I'm glad you got to sit down at a demo. Uh, it's going to make it easier for the game you're in tomorrow. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited about that. And I have to say, it's kind of funny. There was a, there was a younger kid running the booth. And he asked me if I'm familiar with Hackmaster. And I said, a little bit. I've got a buddy who talks about it nonstop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it was you. You're the only person I know who talks about it nonstop. And running the demo um, was incredible. And I know it's a demo, so you don't get to go in-depth. But your uh, Game Master style shows, and I like that. It's personable. Thanks. That's fun. Um, even with the limited amount of exposure and time, you can tell that you, in, if you enjoy somebody's style and how they run games, and yours really shines through. I love that. Learning the system, also incredible. It is easier in some aspects than I expected it to be, and the complexity of it, there's a learning curve. I, I agree, I, and I think there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of learning curve. I think running de demos, the biggest thing is just to be very personable mm -hmm. and really just like I love Hackmaster and I just want that to show in a way that like I'm just passionate about what happens. Yeah. I want, you want to celebrate their success and show them all the cool aspects. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a very tough game to GM. I think that's the hardest part, especially like because you can introduce players mm -hmm. and they know how to run it. But when you're playing a G, when you're playing a player, right, you're just watching one one initiative tracker, right? You just manage your seconds and you adjust and that can be complicated as you're learning the system. But when you're running a, as a GM, you not only have to keep track of roughly where your players are to be like, eh, shouldn't you have attacked a while ago? Or right. are you just picking your nose in the corner? Like what's going on over there? Right. Um, and then also all your monsters are doing random different things. And yes, a lot of things to keep track of. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I really noticed. And I had asked when we did the demo, because I noticed that when you had turned monsters, apparently there are some form of facing rules. Yes. And those facing rules are important, 
But the way I run games, because I don't have to deal with them as much, or even if I do, I generally shortcut them, cut them out, just yeah. to streamline the game. And while it seems like it's possible to do in Hackmaster, it seems like the enjoyment comes from not doing so. Yes. By keeping all of those mechanical rules in place. Yeah, you, you want to be able to like take advantage of having three people attacking and now the defender's rolling a D twelve. Mm-hmm. Or you want to sneak up behind and get and get them with a D eight. Or if you can do something to distract them, like if you set them on fire, they can't defend themselves. Either right. either they put themselves out or every ten seconds right. they take some burn damage. Right. And that that in itself shows the magnitude of additional mechanics that people talk about online when they look for different games. They're like, I want rules that cover this, 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 and this, and this. And we see it all the time. Most systems don't provide those extra rules. Um, Hackmaster, and we're on 5th edition now, which is incredibly entertaining. 4th yep. um, edition was its first edition, if I remember correctly, that was its standalone system. Yeah, that was that was basically second edition with a lot of craziness, with a million crazy tables. Uh, roll for your origin. There. This was also the first time I've ever rolled on a ten thousand table. Oh God! Uh, you roll d ten thousand when you get a critical, and I had two criticals. Just the first two criticals, I had to start the con. My monsters against the players. Both times the players rolled. Front of the throat. Mm. So both times, one time it just killed a player in a demo. Uh, the other time was during one of my uh, my challenge games, the Stone Coin, mm-hmm. um, and they have ways to to re-roll. And I, I love having players roll those d ten thousand yeah. because if I roll it, the, the rules of the game are you have ways to re-roll dice. You have mm-hmm. there's harder ways to make the GM re-roll. Okay. So if the players roll those d ten thousand, not only do they feel like the the power of their own fate in their hands. Yeah. Then they can re-roll it. So this player, you know, got got stabbed in the throat, and uh, they survived. They re-rolled it. It hit him in the shin, the, <laughs> the second deadliest location. Really? Um, that's just my one of my group jokes at my home group because fifty percent of their criticals always seem to hit either the shoulders or okay. the shins. Okay. And I feel like every time they hit a critical in the shin, it also does enough damage to kill someone. So they're like. That's the one weakness. As an assassin, I've trained years Fair. to target the Shin. Fair. Fair. I remember, uh, very similar, I gave one of my players a Vorpal weapon, but it was a tiny weapon. So, essentially, the size of a keychain. <laughs> and stab somebody in the toe for 1d2 damage, but Vorpal critical, their head just falls off. <laughs> so, I enjoy that mechanic. I enjoy the, the hilarity of that when it ensues. Uh, is there anything else you're looking forward to in the convention? I mean, oh, I mean, I just get excited about everything. Um, I've already walked. Guy. I think I might be a little bit over the vendors hall at this point, but I've already been here for a couple days. Mm-hmm. So I bought a couple board games. I bought way too much BattleTech things, and uh, I think my next thing is I might buy a piece of art. Okay, but I don't know. Um, so I'm pretty much over. The, I'm pretty much done with the vendors hall. I even think I know what art I want. I just Gotta think, I just got a picture if it'll fit with my house of stuff. So. I'm sure it will. You won't know until it gets there. That's true. I, I just don't know about having, like, well, at first I was, there was this metal. There's this a bunch of art that's all done on metal pieces. Okay. And there's this beautiful one that had, like, an astronaut in the foreground. And then 
uh, a ringed planet in the background that seemed to be like disintegrating or falling apart. Okay. I thought that one was wonderful. Look, it sounds neat. I'm trying to remember if I walked past something similar. That that was in the 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 art hall, the, so specifically, and it's like artist it's, alley, the right? artist alley, Gen and Pop? it's it, I'm pretty sure it's the first. Um, I don't know how to describe it. it's it's. I guess it'd be the last row if you're going up in numerical order. Okay. So first row if you're heading from the hackmaster table. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I walked by it, but I don't know if I picked it up. I don't know if I've seen that one particularly. And I, I was really, I was thinking about getting it, and then I walked by this other artist in a completely different area, mm-hmm. and they had this this framed picture of, uh, it was a woman's face, and one side of her face, like the hair was flowing from the, from the left to right, and the, the face was starting to like disintegrate into petals. I mean, both of them are okay. disintegrating, I guess. But there was something about it, like the eye and then the face, it was just so striking. I walked by and I was like, dang, I think I'm going to get that one. I don't know. I just, just I, captured my attention. Yeah, so. I dig it. I, uh, I like to walk through the vendor hall. And my two favorite things to really look for are interesting things that catch my eye. I mean, yeah. that's number one. The second one is I'd like to try to make it through the indie publisher sections or the small publisher sections as well as the artist sections to buy something just to help support their fledgling careers. Um, whereas I don't have a booth at the time, I hope somebody will feel similar and at least give me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I love speaking to all the writers. Yes. I haven't bought in a book at Gen Con, but maybe that'll change. Uh, buy one. Yeah. I mean, they're here. They're, it costs them money to be here. And selling books is already hard. Yeah. So helping a writer out by buying one copy, you know. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. I'll be in the booth tomorrow. Yeah. Go check out and buy some books. There. I like that. Uh, do you happen to do any seminars or anything while you're here? No, I've, I've gone to so many conventions, and I have never once been to a seminar. No? I've run games. I've played games. I've helped a booth. Never a seminar. Okay. Okay. I like going. Seminars are probably my favorite thing. What seminars do you go to? Uh, I love writer symposiums. Okay. Um, I love business ones, too. And not necessarily how to run your businesses, but things like why TSR failed. <laughs> so, like, did you go to a writer's did a seminar this time? This time I went to the TTRPG mentorship seminar panel. Okay. And... This is where I start to have a disconnect. I love the panels, and they try to cover a lot of information, but sometimes the audience will ask a question, and it takes the entire panel off the direction of the synopsis that you, okay. that you signed up for. Yeah. And once that happens and we don't go back on track, I feel like I'm wasting my time, and it gets really irritating for me because I'm there for something I signed up for, not wherever we end up. But... It is what it is. I don't bitch. I sit there. I listen. I observe and report. Hey, this is our podcast. Bitch about it. This is it. This is the moment. This is the time. Unleash your rage. No, they all have great information. And there's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, how hard is it to sit up in front of an audience and tell, like, stick to the script? And when somebody has a question, why not answer it? Then, like, they, they do the way I would like to do a seminar. So they do it in my way. 
I, we, we, we would never stick to a script. We couldn't stick to one iota. So, like, in this, this TTRPG seminar, mm -hmm. like what, what was it covering? Like, what does it mean by mentorship? Well, so, in the synopsis, it talks about taking uh, kind of like your fledgling TTRPG uh, business ideas and helping craft them and how to get to thought, to page, to market. Interesting. And <clears throat> that flow is a developmental mentality. Which is cool. Yeah. But we got stuck on pay, like how to talk about pay and what industry rates are and if you're freelancing for it, which, I mean, it's cool, but I do freelance work uh, primarily as layout design. I've done cover design. I've been paid uh, what essentially ended up to be like $250 per page for layout. Yeah. That was nice. I, I mean, yeah, but it was project based. So once you have formulas, like once you know how to do it, it's not super difficult. Um, hearing about all of that didn't help with the idea of getting things from thought to page, just how to get paid for what your thoughts are or your skill set is. Uh -huh. um, that's not really what I wanted. I, I could see how that would be useful, though, because I mean, if you are trying to help and get into the industry, you don't want to be taken. The worst thing would be like you create something great, mm -hmm. you get paid nothing for it. Like, yes. Uh, yes. The, Artist dilemma, shooting in the foot. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. And I guess my approach to it has also been different. Everybody says, put your work out there. Get it out there somehow. And so I started. That's what I did. That's what yeah. Epic Table Games. In fact, in three months, I've released three adventure modules for 5th edition. I mean, written, laid out, all me. Like, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. And yeah, I'm not working on them all simultaneously at the same time, it's start one, finish one, publish, start one, finish one, publish. Yeah. And I'm self-publishing. And I publish the drive through RPG. I've got links up with Open Gaming Network. I have uh, print-on-demand services for it. And I'm not spending a million dollars to do it. I'm not getting paid for it. I'm just, A, getting content out there. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know a little bit more about that developmental process. But because the symposium got hung up on don't sell yourself short and figure out what your own value is for your time, <laughs> and don't quit your day job if you want to make money out of this, just pick up an extra shift at your day job. Those <laughs> pick are, up an extra shift? Those are actual quotes. Like, I record them when I go to seminars. Well, that's and, awesome. Like, that quote is in there. But it's, it's, it's fun. And there are certain things that you expect when you at least have been to certain uh, seminar hosts before. Okay. So I've got Elphineas Goo from Gooey Cube coming up um, about immersive gameplay, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, we've talked about Elphineas before in the podcast, and... I think he throws a party on Friday night. Oh, my God. He is an entertainer yes, he is. through and through. <laughs> uh, I love the guy to death, and no, no bad words at all. The fact is, when he steps in, even if he's slightly off track, he brings it back around. Dude's got a lot of charisma. A lot. It, like it's it's easy to see how like it's it's wonderful to see how successful he is because he just he knows how to work a crowd, work mm -hmm. a group. He just it's great, and he's got really good ideas. So it's absolutely like, that both they both compound. <laughs> absolutely, it's it's incredible, and these are things that you don't get to see in person unless you're at a convention. 
So I don't always suggest people come to Gen Con for their first convention because A, it's massive. Uh, last, what was it, last year we were close to 70,000 individuals, or maybe last year was 50,000. I know like pre-COVID it was 60-something, but mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's so packed. It is at least pre-COVID values, and I mean, population's rising. Yes. More gamers, and it is, it's not actually as packed as I thought it would be. Like, the different, like, it's not unmovable. I feel like, I think only some people got trampled at Laura Canna, so. <laughs> that um, was absurd. Did you hear about that? <laughs> I heard a little bit about it. Um, but before we talk about a little bit there, I gotta say, Saturday's sold-out list is projecting 80 to 85 thousand unique visitors oh my god that is good oh, wild that population rivals most metropolises <laughs> yeah uh that's that's the size of the town i live in yes that's exactly it god oh man i would love to live in a town with you know eighty thousand people who were all gamers I mean, start your own compound that's yeah, that's the best oh, way to do it. <laughs> you have been exiled to gamer prison. <laughs> oh man! So Disney Lorcana, trading card game. Yeah, they say they, they say it's supposed to rival Magic. Yes, and the lines have been massive. It's the only t- like Gen Con doesn't let you line up overnight, right? Except last night, right? They let you line up, right? Starting at six p.m. Yeah. Yes. Now here's. Here's where, because I mentioned Lorcana and the long line on the blog post that I wrote and finished up earlier today. And for anybody who visited the website on Friday, I'm sorry it was down for a few hours because I accidentally cleared out um, <laughs> a absolutely necessary function file. <laughs> That's awesome. And it got cleared out because I tried to update it and there was a internet Failure, a Ooh. service provider failure, and it wiped it all out. So I had to wait to get back to internet before I could fix it. I'm sorry about that. But Lorcon of the Trading Card Game, the Mickey Mouse card, the Gen Con specific, I seen hit eBay at fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I saw people like. So I was I was sitting at my table and someone was talking like we had a little bit of break. They were talking about Lorcana and someone was like looking through it and they're like. These put like the cards were already hitting the internet. Mm-hmm. Just I, I think there was one that was in the thousands. Yep. Uh, which is yep. ridiculous. And these we're talking about those lines. Finally, line up starting at six a.m. Line up overnight. Six p.m. I'm sorry. Yeah. Six yeah, p.m. Six p.m. into the through the night. Right. For them to take a collectible card and just post it on the internet like that bothers me because we're in this hobby as collectors and players and enthusiasts and there are people out there who are okay taking advantage of a situation yeah that's capitalism baby it is and it's bothersome to i've actually listened to somebody in the elevator on the way up he said why don't we just take down the capitalist government it just takes one man i may agree with you sir but (laughs) so this is a wendy's (laughs) yes yes we don't need to talk about it right now. Um, how do you feel about uh, all of the individual events 
that you've seen just walking through? Yeah. Um, Anything catch your eye? There's, there's so much. I feel like I've, I've just been so focused. I haven't been looking. Like, I've been in the exhibitor hall, mm -hmm. and I've been running my games. Sure. So I haven't even actually looked at any of the other, like, places they're running games. Okay. Or, like, I've, I've walked by, and um, there's the main drag off, off Gen Con, where there's there's all those big game rooms mm -hmm. where... Like all dedicated to one room. They've got the Rio, the Rio Grand game room. Yeah. I love that. Just sit down and play some board games with some random strangers. Ooh, heck yeah. Yep. That rumbles my giblets. I dig it. They changed the library from how it was last year, the games library. So last year, it was uh, like just one ticket to get in, choose, play for a few hours, and call it good. Now it's six general tickets, 12 bucks essentially. Holy smokes. To get in. And it's a few hours block. I'm not. This is ridiculous. Um, but mad props to the Al, the Library of Alexandria, which yeah. is the nonprofit, which is right next to it. Uh, so if you're not familiar, guys, with conventions, big conventions usually have the Library of Alexandria come in, and it is a spot where when you enter the convention and have all your credentials, your badges, and whatnot, you can go, you can check out a book from the library and return it at the end of the convention. I think that's phenomenal. Oh, it's so great. I, I love it. Incredible. Um, not a lot of places where you can just essentially borrow a game book. Yeah, I, this is like the, the perfect opportunity. I, when I was running and playing games at a lot of conventions, I'd usually play one game of like whatever, like my love. Usually I play some Battletech. Yeah. But then I try to find games that I've never played before. I just want to discover something new. Yep. I am on the lookout for something that interests me. I just don't know what. That's so vague. I know. So vague. I know. So <laughs> here's, here's sort of a funny story about it. Because Epic Table Games focuses on tabletop role-playing games, oh. the exact laser point is tabletop role-playing games. So I generally, when I'm here, I don't look at board games, I don't look at card games. I'm looking here to specifically focus on that particular mission. Finding all of that spread out through the entire convention takes time. And it already takes time to walk from one corner to the other corner of the convention center itself. Yeah. Never mind everything that's spread out in between, in between the hotels. Um, so, yes, it's vague. And I don't pay attention to a lot of card games, board games anyway, but I have expanded my horizon into certain um, apparel. I like a lot of the uh, specialty hats or leather gears. Yes. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. And I, daily, I think it compounds the fact that as much as I enjoy being at a convention, I really don't like the convention. And it might be particularly because my, my goals are but it's not bad. Maybe I'll find something pretty, and I, I maybe I should reword that if my wife listens no, yeah. to this. But I just want a book that looks good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love the convention crowd. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like once you start really going to a bunch of conventions, there is a total community, and like I mean, the regional cons do have a different flux, yep. but there is totally a crowd that. You can meet at every convention. I I was at a convention like four years ago, and I shared a room with a guy. Okay, 
And then fast forward, know the guy? Uh, no, it was just one of those situations where, like, I saw. Uh, I'm really, really wild with myself. Like, I just looked on, it was like Reddit or Facebook or something like that. And it, it was just someone was like, hey, I got a room. It's got another bed. Anyone want to split, split a room? Yeah, split the cost. Nice. Um, and I was just like, sure, cool. So, hung out with this guy, Lance. It's pretty cool. Okay. Um, you know, we had a convention. We maybe interacted once or twice. I think we might have had dinner together. He's a nice guy. We chatted. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it. Three years later, I'm at Gen Con. A guy drops his pencil, and I go, oh, hey, you dropped your pencil. Guess who it was? Lance. 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 It's like, I'm like, Lance? He's like, oh, no way. He's like, wow. Such a small world. That um, is, that's, that's crazy. I've, I've like, seen people at previous conventions or different conventions, and then I see them at a table, or they'll sit down, and I'll be like, I know exactly who you are. You played Faffle the Fat Halfling. And they'll be like, oh, I forgot all about the halfling. Yeah, so that's fair. I think it's cool. I will say that this is the first time at a convention I've actually taken time to sit down and play games. I I fill my time with so many other things, and when you look at a block, um, like for example, the stone coin for Hackmaster, I'll be playing in your game. It's from nine, and it's four hours long. So yeah. you're looking at nine to two. Nine well, to 10, Nine to one. I, we chose some weird. We chose some weird hour events. I just gotta say this year, it's okay though. But for me, sitting down at a table for four hours, it's what I would do at home at my game tables. It's what I would do online when I run games. But at a convention that I'm spending four days at, four hours is a drop in the hat. Yet it feels like it takes up so much time because so many things start to shut down or open uh, at unusual times. Yeah. I mean, I just, in my opinion, when you're at, uh, it's like being in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, things may close around it, but I have, like, I mean, I usually will eat one meal that I might, you know, go to the food trucks or, you know, sometimes I do dinner after. Yeah. But, I mean, I make myself some breakfast in the morning. I've got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. I got it. I have one right now. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you play three events. You or do basically three, four hour huge block things, mm-hmm. and then that's your day. Yep. Boom. Yep. But that doesn't give it time to look around and do your own thing. Well, there is nothing else around. Your world is three games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm looking for other things at times. <laughs> no, there's, that's fair. There's like a whole world of the con that I never see. Like there's there's all the like the the social events mm-hmm. and you know Gen Con after dark. Uh, there's the seminars. Yep. There's they they do the cosplay yep. event. I've never seen them. I've seen them in like on pictures after, and I'm like, oh, that was super cool. I, I might have seen that person walking the halls, but like it's like, oh, I just thought that person was just walking. <laughs> uh, I was looking at the event list, uh, or maybe through the program, and Gen Con has a cosplay parade. So they have a show. They got judging. And they have a parade. I'm like, I'm going to check out the parade. Yeah. Like, as they're walking through, walk in the opposite direction so I can fast forward the parade. But <laughs> see it anyway. Um, I was talking with our tech guy, Mike. I love two different types of cosplayers. Yeah. And they're on the opposite extremes. The ones okay. who go balls to the wall with absolutely everything. Every fine detail is uh, immaculately conceived and executed. 
and then everybody who just figures what they can pull out of the trash and throw it on to make the crappiest version of that cosplay ever, <laughs> those are my two picks. Like that middle of the road stuff? No. Get out of here. Right. If you're going to commit, commit to one of those two and go all out. <laughs> Either be a meme or spend a fortune. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and speaking of cosplays, I'm thinking about hopefully having our exhibitor booth next year. Our first published adventure, Legend of the Pharaoh King. Sure. Uh, I thought, you know, it would be really badass to have somebody in full Pharaoh regalia walking the convention with just advertisement for that adventure. Did you see Modifius's booth? I walked through it briefly. I know that Modifius is one of the ones I will likely spend money at. They, they released, like, a new game. Um, it's, got, it's, a, it's a two words, like, dreams and creatures. It's, uh, like, it's, okay. like a, it's like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi, and the cover has like, a character on it um, with, like, you know, post-apocalyptic armor, or, like, mm-hmm. a, a long spear, and they had someone dressed like this person. You look at it, and you're like, this, this is the person mm-hmm. on the cover. And they had people like that. And then Catan... Have you seen the meeples? The, like, there's there's oh. people that they dress in Catan bathrobes. Really? Yeah, it, like the silken, like, ooh la la. And That's then hilarious. on top of their heads, they're like bright red. And then on top of their heads, it's like a red hat with a giant, like, resource on it. Okay. So, like, you'll see someone walking around with a sheet or a, <laughs> an eye or a brick or an oar. Oh, they're so great. Um, usually, like, they're walking around giving out. Free Catan, which is a stupid game. Uh, I like resources. Games. Yeah, I've just had bad experiences with it. I think it's a great intro game, but it is frustrates me. I, I will say, when I got Catan for the first time, it was my first introduction into a strict resource management game. Which that's fine. Yeah, the intricacies of who I played it with was. Probably why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. So having bad experiences likely come from other players, and for the same exact reason, I hate risk. Yeah. So yeah, for for Katana, I, I just feel like once the probabilities are set, you get the first pick, and then it all just rolls. And I, that's that's all right. Some games are great like that, and I'm just meh, just meh on it. I think there's a at this point, I mean, I, I played Catan a lot when I was younger, but mm-hmm. now, moved on. Yeah. That, that's, All your exes teach you something. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. <laughs> I got an odd question for you, as All I was right, thinking. Shoot. So, Parker Brother Games, Monopoly, yeah, other style games, they have, like, zero presence here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Zero, very zero. I don't think I've... I don't think I've seen Risk either. Nope. Yeah, no, or none of none of the offshoots. None of right. Yeah. Like when you go to a, a toy store, or I'm gonna I don't want to say a game store because game stores have encompassed so much of our culture now. But a toy store, they will have all of those old school Parker Bros style games, Monopoly, family games, family games, and our enthusiastic. Style choices when it comes to our games have been niched into comic book stores, collecting trading card stores, and now those are becoming generalized game stores. Yeah. I love that. 
But at the same time, I mean, would Dungeons and Dragons or any other popular TTRPG be as fanatically amazing if you could pick up the core rulebook from any Target or any Walmart? That's what D&D does. You can't always get them from every place, though. Like, I can't go to my local Walmart and actually get oh. D&D. I can get D&D materials, but I can't pick up a rulebook. Oh. I feel like I didn't... I know Target. I feel like Target has a bunch of them. But I think there's a couple of them that are holding, like, the, the D&D... The, the, board, the board set, not, like, a lot of the books, mm-hmm. but usually it's the, the, the board game starter set. True. Funniest place that I've seen one is uh, Michael's Craft Store. Yeah, Michael's. Woo. Yeah, they uh, they had it right next to the Game Master's Book of Astonishing Tables and Random NPCs, I think. Uh, and the D&D Feast Cookbook. Nerds take over. Woo! It, happen- it started happening 2014, man. Yeah. I don't remember what football team it was, and funny enough, it was Settlers of Catan. The football team would play as a team-building exercise, yeah. and once the word got out there... Yep, that was it. We owe all of our success to football. Soon, you, you soon D&D will be the household name. Get out of here, flatball. I think D&D's already the household name. That's why so <laughs> many publishers are mad about it. Yeah. You know, um, Granted, the world's most popular role-playing game for a reason. It has a long history. In fact, I don't think I've actually met... Nope, nope, I had... That would have been a, a lie if I said it like that. Don't you dare lie. I Okay, to make it a true statement, I don't think I've met anybody whose first introduction to tabletop role-playing games has not been Dungeons & Dragons or a D20 derivative of D&D. Yeah. So that explains all of our current state. So many, so many hats. There we just, you know, we're we're just in a we're in a bubble inside a bubble. We're in the D twenty bubble. Got to get over to those Wild Sea players. Wild Sea has a booth here. Do they? They do indeed. Awesome. I've been looking for a few of the booths I've seen last year. I'd like to see uh, Possum Creek Jay Dragon, uh, who did Wander Home. I'd like to touch base, but I haven't seen their booth. I don't know if I've seen their booth either. I can always check the map. Yeah. Um, Although, but, like, it, they, it's so easy. I, I walked through the entire booth for, like, the entire exhibit hall when it was busy. And then I walked it again this morning when there were just exhibitors. And I was still like, I don't know, I don't know if I ever saw that booth. Right. Oh, my goodness. What? That exists? Or, oh, oh whoa. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Um, we've talked about this weekend, eighty to 85,000 individuals, but we're pushing... 700 plus exhibitors, and some of them aren't even in the exhibitor hall. I don't think Funko Pop has an actual booth. I think they're specifically all in their own, <clears throat> all in their own room. Don't yeah, quote me on I think, that. I think, maybe, I think you might be right. That's one of them. Um, again, it is just a sea of people. It's cool that eBay brought uh, a castle. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't understand why eBay's here, but last year I got the eBay game from eBay, so I was like, maybe they're branching out? Did they have an expansion? I think, I don't know how, but like, eBay itself has must have been buying magic cards, because they had like a magic card vendor really? thing, so somehow even eBay's getting in on magic. It's funny that when you look at the, uh, you look at the space, and eBay, you're right, eBay's here. They don't, they're the sore thumb, but yet they fit. 
<laughs> that must be such an interesting job. Like you're the guy at eBay whose job is to be on eBay buying things for eBay. <laughs> <laughs> like I like this. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, interesting dichotomy, interesting mechanic. Um, one other thing that gets me while we're here is the food. The smells of a convention. Yep. Not the people. Yep. You, have, you have to smell over them. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I love the atmosphere in convention foods. And having all of the food trucks once but outside is a cacophony of smell. And I love the interior smells because food is spread throughout the convention center. But I don't eat here because it's damn expensive. Yeah. And yep. like you had mentioned, maybe Jay's. PJs, that's what my shelf over there is. <laughs> and I found something local to Indiana that I might try. And that is a Brazilian all you can eat buffet. It's all like Brazilian meats. So oh. $62.50 per person. I think I've heard of that. And I'm like, shit. Do you also uh, get a Brazilian? The the, the, the wax person or the wax <laughs> the, the wax people you're like eat some meat while we give you a brazilian i don't think i could eat it while i was uh, getting the wax done but if that was a complimentary service i'm not gonna pass it up like it's gonna hurt like hell but you know what so have you tried those <laughs> right oh man we had a oh you can eat chinese buffet and that tastes the same no matter where you go you know what you're getting. But, uh, other than that, my man, what else has been going on convention-wise that you don't feel like you get enough opportunity to talk about? Um, I think demo, demos are really great. Okay. They're really fun. I love all those people doing, dem doing demos. Props out to them. They're wonderful. Yeah. Um, Tooting your own horn, too. Yeah, tooting my, yep. Yanking my own chain. Um, Shout out to all the GMs too. I think they're they're wonderful and hard work. Yeah, it's very hard work. Hard work. Um, I myself, <clears throat> I look forward to not just closing ceremonies, but as everything's starting to wind down, a lot of people will just try to unload material so they don't have to take it back. Yes, this is true. So, have you picked up any Knights of the Dinner Table comics? Ah. <sighs> I got a horrible comic book story, so um, if you're interested, I will tell you. You're just going to let one comic book ruin your ch chance to fall in love. Okay, so you're inadvertently asking for the comic book story. Better to have read a comic book than never to have read a comic book at all. When I was in grade school, okay. I grew up down the street from a comic book store <gasps> within walking so I would be there all the time. Yep. I actually had a huge collection of comic books. Okay. And they were comic books that I absolutely loved. I grew up loving Spawn, so I collected I all Spawn. of the first run of Spawn. Uh, I had copies signed by Todd McFarlane. I had a few Superman comics. Uh, I had Spider-Man when Todd McFarlane was with Marvel. Um, I started following artists, Greg Capallo. I know I just pronounced his name wrong. Uh, 
there was uh, Scud the Disposable Assassin. I mean, these are Firehouse Comics back when Malibu Comics was its own subsidiary. It's sure. own company before it was bought by Marvel. So I know all these other comic books that you Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is this is a huge thing. I had a collection of over uh, three different three thousand different comic books of rare rarity values, etc. I moved from Michigan to Pittsburgh with a girlfriend. We broke up, and she offered to store her stuff, store my stuff at her place that she was staying at, and it was in the basement. The oh, sub pump no. failed, flooded, and my comic books went from comic books, because they weren't all uh, individually wrapped, wrapped in package, depending on what editions or versions or uh, publishers they were. Some were, but it didn't matter. Everything was destroyed. And I moved from Pittsburgh back to Michigan in 2008. Since then, I have purchased four comic books. Oh, my God. That is awful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Pittsburgh sucks. That's yeah. where the Steelers are from, and they suck. Yeah. And that stupid ex-girlfriend. She's doing well for herself, and yeah. that's good. But after you lose such a curated collection, it's you cannot pick up one without feeling the burn every time. You know, sometimes you get knocked down, mm-hmm. just gotta get up. The river will keep on flowing. Not this time. You Not know, this time. There, there are other comics out there. There are. There's Go for a different co- different style collection. Uh, Maybe collect them digitally. <clears throat> I thought about digital, but I've had hard drives fail. I've had, I've lost materials. Store them happen. in the clouds. Um, no. <laughs> there is so much work and i think that that is a full reference to the fact that anything you can do now is pushing to service space comic books to service space yeah. uh in fact i seen one model while we're here um i don't remember the details because i thought it was ridiculous i stopped reading the details after monthly fee new material i'm not paying a monthly fee for TTRPG material. Like, I would just buy it when your stupid whole book comes out. I I go back and forth because I love, like, subscriptions mm-hmm. for, like, because I collect science fiction anthologies. Yep. So, like, every three months, uh, Analog will come out with, you know, short stories, all that, all that jazz. Yeah. I, I like that. I like it. Um, I do think, like, quality though has to be there so like i don't want to pay twelve dollars a month or i don't want to pay certain however much a month and then only be interested in like one out of every three months material right like i I want i mean i I want good good value out of it which Mm -hmm. hard to find i agree with that and it makes me think about um loot crate do you remember loot crate was really popular yeah i I got uh was it rpg crate Dungeon Box yeah. was another one. Mm-hmm. Dungeon Crate was another one. Uh, those monthly subscription-based services where you got some cool shit. I don't hear about them very often anymore. No. Are they? Are Loot Crate still a thing? I think they are, but I think they. I mean, I think they really spiked in popularity and then it kind of died down. Mm-hmm. I know that they used to be at like some of these conventions, mm-hmm. and I don't see them at these conventions. Right. Um, right. That's... I. I think it's because. The, the publishers have just realized we don't have to do RPG crate. We can just do this ourselves 
and pocket all the profit that like yeah. we'll do our own subscription service which is the market like streaming services that's, that's, that's where they are now and it's bad for the consumers because now instead of paying one okay price for everything you're paying one slightly higher price per item i i think it's it's great for i feel like it should be great for publishers because you know exactly how many especially if you're a smaller company you know that there are you know x amount of people that are willing to consume your rpg material at that fixed rate that's true and if you're a small publisher, that's like a great goals to aim at, um, and you and you know exactly what number you need to try to grow. True. I was like, we're a small publisher. We'll look into it. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Start subscribing gonna... to the Eli and Rob loot crate. I, I think we wisdom should... in a box. I think we should just start with them subscribing to our podcast. Oh, I'll send them wisdom once a month in a box. Yeah. Okay. Put it on Patreon too. We'll get them six ways from Sunday. <laughs> Nobody can see that thumbs up, by the way. That was sarcastic. It's a different finger. <laughs> All right. Um, so conventions are huge, and we could talk about it for hours. But it feels like we're going to start fighting for topics. And I don't want to drag it on. All right. Yeah, let's go hit the convention. That sounds good. Any words of advice before we close out? Um, have a good day. Guys, if you haven't been to a convention before, I suggest you find at least a local one to go to at least once. Get a feel for it. Check us out on Facebook or online at epictablegames.com. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay. Okay.